When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, the Horn. Light it up on a Monday, Monday edition of Light the Tower on the Horn. We are live, we are local, we are digital on the Horn app at hornfm.com. I am Jeff Howe, Craig Way, still on vacation. Behind the glass, as he always is, the MVP of Light the Tower, the play-by-play prodigy, Cameron Parker. Cam, how you doing, man? I'm counting down the hours until Poncho's. (laughs) <laughs> until ponchos <laughs> um well hey check this out uh we've actually got some uh some breaking news to start the show some texas basketball breaking news cam this just came down uh i don't think we've talked about this uh devin Pryor has gotten texas on the board of men's basketball for the class of 2024 mm. six seven forward out of houston Three-star prospect, offered from LSU, Colorado, Oklahoma State, Penn State, TCU. Uh, he has committed. Uh, he has committed to Texas. He looks like Jackson Hayes too. A little bit in the face, same hair. Was committed. It was committed to. Oh man, wow! I didn't. I didn't realize that until you said that. But yeah, Devin Pryor is a. He is Jackson Hayes adjacent. Uh, Jackson Hayes doppelganger. If you're like, if hey, you this will. is his younger brother, I would be like, oh yeah, okay. Cool. So Devin Pry- Devin Pryor six seven forward. Uh, was committed to LSU, and he told uh, our Brandon Jenkins at 24-7 Sports, said, quote, as my basketball game grew, they contacted me when I was uh, getting everything going, talking about Texas. When I decommitted, they were right on me. Credits uh, Brandon Chappelle said he, he has been a great guy to talk to, and I appreciate him. I like the connection with the staff. They are all about developing me, and I believe 
they can do that. So, uh, again, previously committed to LSU for a month, backed out of his pledge in the middle of June. An offers from Colorado, Oklahoma State, Penn State, TCU, and other high major programs. So that's uh, my five-year-old laughing at something over there in the corner. Just bring your kid to work day to day. So, uh, but at any rate, uh, Cam's good to see RT and company on the board for twenty-four. Well, the way recruiting's kind of changed, Jeff. The, the way you process kind of these early commitments has it changed for you at all? Because you know we saw Ron Holland and AJ Johnson Holland who signed this you know national letter of intent and ended up backing out of it. So. I know with football recruiting, it's tough because a lot of guys will commit and then decommit and then commit somewhere else. Or if you're Aaron Hampton, you're going to recommit back to Texas. And with basketball, you know, there's it feels like even when you sign, I don't know, maybe I'm just being too cynical, Jeff, but it's hard to get too excited about all these signees when and commitments when it feels like, you know, it, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, we got a there's a there's a lot there's a lot going on right now. Uh, Cameron, let me know when uh, so. I apologize. I apologize if I sound a little scatterbrained. Uh, Cameron let me know right off the bat that he failed his homework over the weekend. Because mm-hmm. what were you supposed to do, Cam? I was supposed to watch the first blood. And what did you not do over the weekend, Cam? Uh, I did what I did a lot uh, in my geometry class sophomore year. Uh, failed to do my homework. <laughs> um, so I'm seeing uh, there's some reports that Devin Pryor is. Uh, maybe reclassifying to the class of 2023. I'm trying to figure out if that's what's going to happen here. Uh, I'll I'll get on that and figure that out as soon as I can. But Cameron, so a lot of stuff going on. What, uh, how was your weekend other than the fact that you failed your homework assignment? It was pretty good. Uh, Watched a lot of summer league, which is good and bad because there are at times where it does feel like I'm watching just uh, lifetime fitness pickup games, but also got to see Victor, Webb and Yama play, a little Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller. I'm not sure how much Wemby you watched, Jeff. but uh, watched a little bit. After last night, I'm all in. I'm all in. I didn't watch too much yesterday. Uh, I had a big day yesterday. I went to uh, a family trip to Houston for Astros Mariners. Not a good day for my Astros. And, you know, I was kind of bummed going in because I knew Jordan wasn't playing and Jordan's my With Carlos Correa gone, Jordan's my guy. So I was like, yeah, well, you know, we'll – just kind of see what happens. Uh, so the Astros lose. But what's cool is the reason why the Mariners game, Cam, is a kind of a big deal for part of the family. So my brother's wife, her cousin is Taylor Saucedo, lefty reliever for the Mariners. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of hoping, hey, maybe, you know, she's been to see him, I think, two or three times, and he hasn't pitched, and he didn't pitch in – they actually stopped him. They got to talk to him a little bit uh, by the Mariners dugout after the game, and he's like, oh, yeah, I wasn't going to pitch today anyway. I'm like, She's like, great, so maybe one of these days we'll get to a game and he'll actually pitch. He pitched on Friday, though, and his dad got to go up and see him on Friday. That's so nice. That's awesome. But, yeah, he's uh, you know he was with the Blue Jays for a little bit and signed with the Mariners. They actually pitched well in their outing on Friday, so he's not having not having too bad of a year uh, for the Mariners. AL West, man, it's, it's competitive. Astros two back at the break. Rangers leading that division. The Mariners, I think, are they at five hundred now, or one game above five hundred? But, and you know, we we talk about the Angels, man, but they're the Angels are only seven back. It's not like that's you know you're packing it in, getting ready to close out the season. I mean, the A's are the swinging A's are what they are at this point. But that's a, that's a nice little nice little competitive division turning yeah. into Mariners forty five and forty four, Angels forty five. Oh, yeah, so and they are one game above five hundred. Seven games back. Yeah, Jeff. I mean, three weeks ago. 
Rangers had a five and a half, six game lead over the Astros and the Angels too at one point, and then of course Trout gets injured. Uh, Shohei got a little banged up. He's I think believe he's back in the lineup for a little bit. But yeah, you know the Angels. Who knows if they're going to be buyers or sellers at this trade deadline? Shohei Otani is going to be an unrestricted free agent next year. And the Astros, you know, at the beginning, I remember Joe Cook tweeted out, like, just get a wild card spot. It's like, Joe, come on. I mean, it's it's literally May here. And the Rangers, after their scorching hot start, kind of slumping, Jeff, unfortunately, for a Ranger fan. They're 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games. Um, this all-star break is coming at the perfect time, so hopefully the guys can maybe – refresh get rejuvenated i know five of them are playing in the all-star game the most which is crazy and then also adolis garcia playing in the home run derby tonight so let's go adolis um but yeah astros two games back man i wish jeff like in, in may or even the beginning when the season started like oh i wonder what the astros um plus minus was to win the al west because it, it feels like they're inevitable and for good reason i mean the rangers i think rangers are coming back to earth right now i think they're a good a good team Good team, but I don't think they are. I know the run difference makes them the best team in baseball behind the Tampa Bay Rays right now, or actually, yeah, one run back, but I don't know if they're the second-best team in the league right now. Um, yeah, sorry. Like I said, there's there's so much going on in front of me right now. I'm, I, w- I was listening to what you were saying, Cam, but I just I just brain farted. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and apologize now for just, again, I think I've done this twice, being all over the place. Cam, can we just can we start the show over? <laughs> I just feel like, Play the intro again? Yeah, sure, why not? Um I I'm guessing it's because of the live golf news. Is that why you're all scatterbrain? Yeah. I don't I'm gonna follow Bucky and Aaron's lead here because I don't know I don't know what else to do, to be honest. Um I see what's hap- I see what's on the text line. See you guys texting in. Specs text line is open, by the way, 337-3776. I see the text. Uh, all I can say is that we're planning on having Light the Tower tomorrow. Planning on being at Big 12 Media Days when Craig will rejoin us. And that's that. Planning on a good week of programming to start on Monday. Again, for the third time, I do want to apologize for sounding a little flustered, a little scatterbrained, but that's where things are. That is the, that's all I feel comfortable saying right now. So, Cameron, help me out here. (laughs) We're planning on having a show tomorrow. We're planning on being at Big 12 Media Days. Yeah, as as far as things go right now, uh, show continues. And we're going to be in Arlington leaving tomorrow after the show i'll be up there getting ready getting things ready for the week jeff and craig you'll be up there uh chad and zay will be up there rod and hards will be up there we're gonna you know go out there and get some good content for you guys get you steve sarkeesian quinn ewers xavier worthy you know brett yomark maybe more and put together some good shows and get ready for the start of the football season all right so good good news well good news for the longhorns as it come as it relates to the 2023-24 roster and I can speak on this. Uh, I just touched base with uh, somebody who would know. Devin Pryor is reclassifying to the class of 2023. Mm, okay. So this falls into the category. Now, when, when we talk about this roster, so you look at the last few additions. The Chris Johnson thing was uh, really a stroke of good fortune. He gets out of the NIL. He gets not the, N, the NLI. 
There's too many acronyms, Cam. He gets out of the National Letter of Intent yeah. with Kansas, gets released from that, ends up at Texas, ends up signing his scholarship agreement with Texas. Texas, we talked about they wanted to add another veteran wings. Uh, you know, we wanted some length, some athleticism. They were looking for a shooter. They got a little bit of all of that in Ethel Horton last week, the UCF transfer who commits to Texas. And I was told, Cam, a while back that they had their eyes on maybe a developmental high school guy that probably it would have to be a special kind of guy who maybe knew they weren't going to play a whole lot this year. Kind of like uh, Alex Enemekwe did last year. Maybe you get a little bit of time, but most of your time is your tr- in your true freshman year is going to be spent developing, kind of like what they were what they did with Rowan Brumbaugh as well, mm-hmm. who redshirted. Uh, you know, maybe you'll play, maybe you won't, we don't know, but most of your year is going to be spent developing. Uh, that's what Devin Pryor is going to be Sounds like for this roster in the class in the twenty for the twenty twenty three twenty four roster. So he is reclassifying to twenty twenty three, and will be a part of a recruiting class that, when you factor in transfers, that group is going to include two high school guys, Chris Johnson and Devin Pryor. A couple of guys, Chris Johnson initially from the state of Texas, he was a Fort Ben Elkins product, and then went to Montverde for his last two years, and then a transfer class, a really good transfer class with Max Asmus. Another guy I wouldn't call I wouldn't call Kendall Weaver a development guard, but I think a guy that you know they're planning on a little bit more from him in the following season, so that'd be the twenty four twenty five season than this year. In, in addition to that, you've got you know Max Asmus for a year, you've got Caden Shedrick for at least one, maybe you get Caden Shedrick for two years, and you've got two years with Zarek and Yemma. So uh, throw combine all of that and. Cam, you got a full roster now for the 23-24 yeah. season. With depth, with, too. With some guys that have a chance to maybe come back for another year for that 24-25 season. Yeah, and it builds depth that Texas, you know, you're kind of curious after last season with all the guys they lost. You didn't bring anyone in the signing class because Holland and Johnson left. Then you get Chris Johnson, who I thought at first was going to be a piece that was just going to be there for guard depth in the, in the backcourt and then possibly for 2024. But, I mean, it sounds like – He's going to have ample opportunity to, to play this season, and then now with this addition of Pryor, I mean six foot seven. You got to love the frame. Probably a little bit more raw. Jeff going to take some time. Don't know if he'll, he's going to play as much as possibly Chris Johnson will. But again, it provides depth, and it, you know it puts some guys on the roster who you are confident will be there in twenty twenty four. Because now in this new age of the Wild Wild West, if you want to call it that, in college basketball, you don't really know who's going to be on your roster next year. It used to be like you you know okay. We're getting in this car. We're getting in A.J. Abrams or D.J. Augustine. We're going to have him for, you know, two, three years. Now it's like, yeah. I mean, he might play three games and he's done. That's why when Chris Johnson committed, I said, as much as you can in today's world climate of college basketball, you've got your backcourt of the future with Kendall Weaver and Chris Johnson. Again, as much as you can plan on having one. Uh, you'd like to think both of those guys stick around for multiple years. And, and you know, we'll see how it works out. I mean, obviously, you're going to go with kind of three guard wing-ish players with Hunter, Asmus, and now you throw Ethel Horton into that mix. Uh, you know, we've talked about the front court. Like, I feel like, Cam, I feel like of all the stuff we've talked about with basketball, like it feels like Dylan Mitchell coming back has been like, I don't know, it's it's almost like found money. 
Like it's like, oh yeah, this stock that I bought um, six months ago that I forgot about. Oh, that's turned me a nice little profit. Like it's just out of sight, out of mind almost. Yeah, we forget like Dylan Mitchell coming back. The uh, his the upside he's got, and if, if the growth in his game is there, then man, I it's hard. It's hard for me to think Dylan Mitchell's just going to grow his game and just become just this well-rounded, versatile offensive weapon. But, man, if he can just – I think we talked about this last week. If he can just add like an elbow jumper or something to his game, you can – he can become a nice offensive player that his limits won't be – his minutes won't be limited. And you're talking about a team that maybe their ceiling is kind of an Elite Eight-ish type team. And if you're getting to the second weekend anyway, you, you've given yourself a chance to, to get to the Final Four. Yeah, Mitchell was the guy that after the season ended and he was going through the draft process, it sounded like he was gone. And he ends up coming back to Texas. I'm curious how RT is going to use him this year because, you know, we've seen the summer workout videos of him draining down three-pointers and jump shots, which, of course, when you're a good enough athlete and no one's guarding you, you can look good on social media, right? Um, But how does that pertain to this season? Does RT want to use him more on the wing? Set him up for, you know, run some pick and rolls and stuff. What is What do they want to do with him? And I'm guessing it was whatever their vision was. I mean, Mitchell could have still been drafted in the second round or signed, a, you know, a possible summer league deal and worked yeah. his way up through there, yeah. kind of like some of the other guys have. But there was something that brought him back to Texas, Jeff, and I'm curious if that was a more involvement in the offensive game plan. I would think it would have to be. I also, man, I don't know how much this goes into it, but with Dylan – I think there's a world where if Ron Holland is at Texas right now, I don't know that Dylan Mitchell is. Back, yeah, you know. So I think I think that opened up because I had, I'd heard that was one of the things that kind of both those guys were being sold on. You know, I think Ron Holland's camp was hearing it from. Well, if Dylan Mitchell comes back, you know, you guys are pretty much the same kind of player. Are you going to get a lot of minutes? And I think Dylan was hearing it from some people in his ear. Hey, if Ron Holland shows up, um, they're probably going to give him more minutes than they're going to give you. So maybe you need to think about moving on to something else. But I, for me, the fact that not only the fact that Dylan Mitchell's back, but the fact and I, I'm going to take Dylan at his word from the times I talked to him. He, the portal was never really an option for him. It was either going to be come back to Texas or go pro. Like going somewhere else wasn't what he wanted to do. So. From the standpoint of wanting to get developed and being around RT and liking the culture and, and everything going on with the program, you got to like that part of it. Um, but I, I do think that I don't know. Am, you think I'm off base on that, Cam? No, or any, not at all. Yeah, I just it's it's hard for me to. It was hard for me to envision a roster where Dylan Mitchell and Ron Holland were both a part of it. And now, you, know, you look at this. This is a classic example of RT and this staff making you know chicken salad out of you know what. Uh, with getting Chris Johnson and now Devon Pryor, who is going to reclassify in case you missed the Texas ads, technically a top 150 senior for the class of 2024 with Devon Pryor. Now he is reclassifying. He'll be in the class of 2023 if you're just tuning in. Specs text line is open 337-3776. We're going to talk MLB draft because I know Cam has been hard at work all year on that Travis Sakura beat. So we're going to put Cam's Travis Sakura knowledge to use throughout the course of this show. Uh, Cam, it was a good day for the Longhorns. Just just to finish the basketball thought, though, um, you know, it, it was a gut punch to have your recruiting class dismantled in the way it was dismantled mm-hmm. with AJ Johnson signing a pro deal in Australia, and then Ron Holland getting out of his national letter of intent and, and going to the G League. I mean, I, I think if you're a Texas fan, 
you feel much better about him leaving and going to G League Ignite than you do if he'd have gone to Arkansas. Yeah. Because now it's like, okay, well, now you can't argue with it. If he'd have gone to Arkansas, I'm sure portions of his fan base would have thought he was like the worst dude that ever lived. But he's going to G League Ignite, so it's good. It's He's going to start his pro career. But at any rate, uh, you know, when to, the, when the get, number one guy in the, in the country is going to leave Texas, go play in Fayetteville, then yeah. I understand. The fan base has a right to be upset. Yeah. And 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 it's you know it's fair game for whatever you want to say from a criticism standpoint at that point. But to lose two guys and you couldn't replace those two guys, this is about as good a job as our team company could have done under the circumstances. You get those Chris Johnson's a top seventy five ish player in the country for twenty twenty three, and then Devon Pryor's kind of that that developmental wing type guy that you were you were hoping to land. You get him to reclassify it. It's it's stable roster stabilization cam again as much as you can have in this day and age in college basketball roster stabilization let's talk about the mlb draft real quick before we get to the break uh you surprised because you you've gotten all kinds of intel cam, for those who don't know cam was the play-by-play voice of the round rock dragons a little dragon hardball this year all the travis sakura intel you gathered cam all the round rock folks you talked to you surprised to still see him on the board with round three starting today at one o'clock I was thinking round two for sure. And I still think with round three, some teams who have, you know, a lot more picks, they can still put together some bonus pool money for him and, and end up signing him, even if he is round three. But curious to see, you know, where that goes today. I mean, no one from Texas has been picked or even committed to Texas. Nick Sanders from Waco University was another catcher I had my eye on. But right now, as round three will begin sometime today, still no one from the 40 acres or possibly going to the 40 acres has been picked yet, which is – I don't know. It's a it's a blemish, not really a blemish, but more of a, a bad sign that a Texas baseball team isn't putting together any uh, any top draft picks, Jeff. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm not worried about that at all. I mean, you had, you know, you've had success in the draft. You had you've had first rounders the last few years, and you've had high high draft picks, and uh, you know, especially the class you're coming off of, with, you know, Hanson and uh, you know, Ivan Melendez and, and, and that group last year that kind of dominated the back end of day one and into day two, it was pretty much, pretty much a longhorn, uh, a longhorn free for, uh, free for all in terms of the draft with teams taking Texas guys. Let me ask you this about Sakura. Now I don't, I'm gonna put you on the spot. I don't know if you know the answer to this or not. Do you have any idea what his number is as far as a signing bonus? And, and if you don't want to, if you know the number, don't want to say it, we talking I'll just say like eight eight fifty. You think it's north, south of there, or pretty much right on? I have no idea. I, okay. I honestly don't. Have not talked to him or his his camp about the signing bonus money or his whatever the contract would be the pick value for. But I mean, I figure if it's more No, I'm taking I'm talking what what it would take to to get him to sign. Oh yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing when you got the kind of leverage he's got, because I mean, I, I think if if they didn't offer him, a, the team that selects him doesn't come up with whatever he and his his folks deem to be a quote unquote good offer. I think I don't think he's got no problem going to Texas. I don't think so either. And I mean, 101 mile per hour fastball. He's got a great slider. In that, you know, there's that chance that he adds a third pitch. He's going to be a, a great pitcher, whether it's on the 40 acres or it's somewhere playing minor league baseball next next season. But if he gets picked, I'm, I'm assuming there's no way he doesn't last past round three, but maybe that number is too high for some you know MLB teams. You know that I do not know, 
but I'm curious what happens with him today. But right. excited for him and his family. So congrats to Travis wherever you end up. Yeah, Tanner Witt still on the board, like Cam said. No Longhorn players have been selected. Uh, everybody breathing easy after day one, but trust me, rounds three through ten, this is this is where you need to grab you some tums and a seat on the couch and mash away and just <laughs> hope that whoever drafts some of these guys that they use that they're going to have to use some bonus pool money to sign some dudes. Uh, above them and that they haven't worked it but i keep man i keep going back to the the covid draft in 2020 what the braves did it, it, I, texas was like four picks away from oh my gosh bryce elder may be coming back and then the braves took him i think it was like the next to last pick of that five round yep. draft and it's like well yeah they're uh bryce elder's number was high and the braves were able to meet that number with how they structured their draft so, and now he's a mlb all-star and bryce elder will be in the all-star game home run derby tonight uh, talked a little Major League Baseball, talked some Texas basketball and Texas baseball. We'll keep it going. You know what, Cam? I, uh, I'll i be honest. I don't have a Longhorn notebook planned for today, but maybe we'll just dive into something. And Stampede was released on Horns 247 today. Yes, yeah, Horns 24-7. The Stampede is up. Hank South and Hudson Standish and uh, our, recruiting, uh, our recruiting team there. At, uh, at Horns 24-7, Jordan Scruggs doing an outstanding job as well. Uh, they put the stampede together. Drops every Monday morning our weekly collection of insider news notes and nuggets from the recruiting trail gets dropped on the site. So you can go to Horns 24-7 right now and check that out. Maybe do that while we take a break. We'll come back and keep the uh, Longhorn talk going. This is Light the Tower on the Horn, live, local, and digital. On the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Craig Way and Jeff Howe light the tower. This is Light the Tower. This is the Horn. Jeff Howe, Cameron Parker, Craig Way on vacation. Craig will be joining us at Big 12 Media Days at AT AT&T Stadium on Wednesday when the Longhorns are there. Uh, Longhorns scheduled to be on Radio Row at straight up 10 o'clock. So I don't know if that's going to be like herding cats or (laughs) what's going to happen at 10 o'clock Wednesday. But uh, the Longhorns have their 30-minute radio block right when Light the Tower goes on the air. Cam, I'm excited that you're going up to, to Arlington again this year. Did you have fun? Did you enjoy your year later last year? Yeah, it was a blast last year. I wasn't working on Light the Tower, of course. I was just kind of, you know, Brock Cunningham all over the place, helping out with the show, social media content. Had uh, Bijan came on a couple times. Had Sark come on a couple times. We had Brett Yomark, which was possibly the most awkward interview of all time, <laughs> asking about Texas, Oklahoma. And knowing that they were going to the SEC but not really allowed to say it yet officially so it was fun this year looking forward to it um were you you were there uh you were there 
twisted and tweaking while I was uh, I was doing that Roshan Johnson interview, weren't you? I think so. Yeah, yeah. we had Rojo on. Uh, we had Deuce Fawn on one show. He was great. We had Quentin Johnston on. We, we, had, we had a first round pick on Light the Tower at we, Big Twelve Media Days yeah. last year. Neil Brown came on, which probably tells you a lot about <laughs> his job security. <laughs> Why do I picture that? Have you ever seen basketball, Cam? I think I've asked you that. You I have not. That? Okay, that's another one. Since you didn't watch First Blood, you need to watch basketball as well. Uh, extra homework? There's a yeah. Well, yeah. Now you have to do extra since you failed the first assignment. There's a scene in basketball where there's like some big time announcers in there, like Al Michaels, Bob Costas. They're the play by play team for for the basketball league, and Tim McCarver is the locker room reporter. And uh, Tim McCarver's doing interviews, and this guy named Squeak Scolari, like he's the you know. He, they they have a nickname for him that I can't say on the air. But he goes up to Tim McCarver and he goes, hey, you want to do an interview with me? And Tim McCarver just looks at him real quick and goes, no. And he goes <laughs> right back to doing what he's doing. I picture that like that's like Neil, the uh, West Virginia SID ushering Neil Brown around already. Hey, you want to do an interview with Coach Brown? No, we got to talk home run derby. Anyway. <laughs> Especially with all the Bob Huggins stuff going on right now. Dude, yeah, actually, you know what? West Virginia might not have a ton of availability now that I think about it. It's like. Uh, no Bob Huggins. How, how much you want to bet Neil Brown gets a Bob Huggins question during his formal press conference? I, I mean, you have to think so. It's got to happen, right? And the, and the tough thing is about with his spot right now going into, you know, it's probably it's a contract year for Neil Brown. He's got to show something or else he's going to be off the can. You want him, You want as much good press about him right now if you're Neil Brown in that SIT staff, but you're also juxtaposed it with, hey, Bob Huggins – is trying to sue the university because he's saying that I didn't resign and the university is saying, actually, yeah, you did. It's great, great times, great times in, uh, in Mountaineerville. It's right like, now. uh, you remember the Floyd Raven situation? That was, I think that might've been before you started following recruiting camp. Remember Floyd Raven was a guy that ended up in A&M, okay. but he was down to A&M and Ole Miss and Ole Miss announces him as part of their recruiting class because they have a national letter of intent. Signed by Floyd Raven. Here was the problem. Texas A&M also has a national letter of intent <laughs> signed by Floyd Raven. So they're like, well, <laughs> which, what, one? which one counts? Well, it turns out the one Ole Miss got, apparently Floyd Raven's mom forged his signature nice. on the one that Ole Miss got. And A&M had the one that had the legit signature. So What, what year was this? Oh, man. Floyd Raven would have been like 2000. 12, 13, somewhere in there. Like, I'll, I'll, 2011 to 2014, like, I'm pretty sure it's in that window. I know it's in that window. I just forget the specific year. So I was wondering, was it Hugh Freeze? Because maybe Hugh Freeze forged a signature, knowing Coach Freeze. Yeah. Yeah, Hugh Freeze was was Freeze, was Freeze the coach at that point. Makes a lot of sense if it does. For some reason, I want to say Houston Nutt was still the coach, but I don't think – I don't think that was the case. Let me check. Floyd Raven. Uh, let's see. Actually, it was earlier than I thought. So, he 2011? Dude, that might have been Houston Nuts still. So, sorry, folks. I'm going to the Google machine. I got to solve this Floyd Raven mystery. Yeah, it was Houston Nuts. It was Houston season. Nut. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah, it was Houston Nut. All, all... So, there you go. They went uh, 0-10 that year, technically, because their two wins were vacated by the NCAA. Don't you love those? Like, Brian Kelly has one of those in, like, the year Notre Dame uh, went to the national championship game, got their brains beat in by Alabama. Mm-hmm. 
I think Notre Dame's official record is like zero and one that year. Like the other one, the other all the wins have been vacated from. I forgot what Notre Dame did. Do you think like who? The, can I just say vacating wins is the dumbest thing ever. Like we we watched it like we it happened. We remember that it happened. So why are you gonna why are you gonna take away wins? Make kids like turn in championship rings and stuff for for what? Like it doesn't uh, take down the banners. It's like. Michigan had to take down their Final Four banners. Louisville had to vacate a national championship. No, I'm pretty sure was it they beat Michigan, I think, in the Final Four that year. I think Michigan remembers, no, we played that game and lost to Louisville. It was a terrible experience. Yeah, if you can't award the next team, it's not like in, in racing where you have like the, the winner, right? It, they fail post-race inspection, the second-place guy wins. You don't award the national championship. Like, Finn Chung didn't win the Heisman Award because Reggie Bush lost it. So, like, yeah. vacating, it's stupid. It's it's. I think we all can agree, it's one of the many things that are stupid by the NCAA. It's like Converse Judson has a state football championship for 1988 in Class 5A, and the record books show Converse Judson beat Dallas Carter one to nothing. Carter forfeited, and talk to people that play on that Judson team, and they're like, no, yeah, they they beat our brains in. Like we, yeah. we remember it. It's I would still it's like the, it's the saddest state championship ring anybody. What has. what holds back a university from like? Holding, hanging those banners up. Like, what are they going to do? Come and like remove it down? It's like, I don't fined? know. Like the NCAA demands it. Well, this is you have to cooperate, and this is part of your punishment. Like, really, a, taking down a banner is going to make up for all these transgressions that you decided yeah. to punish us for. I think the scholarship restrictions and whatnot is enough. You don't need to take down banners too. You still count it. I would still count it. It's like that episode of Family Guy when James Woods stole Peter's identity. And then as he kicked him out of his house, made him take off his clothes. Like, come on, you already got everything. Why why you why you need to take this? That was when uh I don't know if you remember, Cam, that was when Joe told Peter to strip down all the way to the poop sack and then yeah. he, real, he realized that Bonnie had lied to him that not everybody has a poop sack. Who do you think updates all the Wikipedia pages after the the wins and losses are vacant? Do you think it's like if it's like Alabama, it's like an Auburn fan? Who just has nothing going on and it's just like, yeah, I'm I don't know, stick but it like, to my rival. I've gone down this rabbit hole before. Like college football national championships that some schools claim, you look at like what does Alabama claim? I don't know. Alabama claims like eighteen national yeah, 19, championships 18 or something. Now? They Alabama claims a national championship for nineteen sixty four where Arkansas was undefeated, and I think Arkansas's national championship was awarded to them. I want to say that was the football writers that awarded Arkansas the national championship. Alabama lost to Texas in the Orange Bowl and still was considered like the consensus national championship because they got, I think, the UPI and the AP both named Bama the national champion. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, how are you claiming a national championship when you lost your bowl game? They're at 18, by the way. They are at 18? I just made that number up, so... 18 with five more they can claim, technically. See, Unclaimed like, national championships. See, I'll, I'll go to Tech. Go to te- pull up Texas' Wikipedia page and tell me how many unclaimed national championships Texas has. You got to factor in what, 08, 09, probably. There's got, I think there's one from like 80, oh gosh, 82 maybe. I think that's an un- or 81. Five unclaimed, 1914, 1941, 1968. Okay, hold, stop right there. Why can't Texas just claim those? <laughs> like, nobody's, you know, who's going to throw a fit if you claim one from 1914 or 1941? If if Hitler was still roaming the earth when you won a national championship, you might as well claim Just go it. ahead and keep it, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to call it the Hitler rule, and I don't know why Hitler was the first person that came to mind, but, you know, it's, it just shows you it's a long time ago. Alabama. Over, over 100 years ago. 
Bama is has an unclaimed one for 2016. Is that the Hunter Renfro, the Sean Watson year? Yeah. Okay, so we still have some Bama fans who are salty. What national championship salty. did they not claim? Was it like the Sagarin Pole or something still had Alabama number one? So Okay, sorry. So 19, Texas, 1914, 1941, and what else? Uh, the 81 and, sorry, no, 1441, 68, 77, and 81. So 68, all right, 68 would have been, uh, that was when, James Street took over. What was it? Game three, I think, took mm-hmm. over, and uh, as the wishbone quarterback, uh, sixty-eight. Then you said the next one was seventy-seven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're undefeated in the regular season until you get to the Cotton Bowl and lose to Notre Dame. So you lost. Okay. Uh, but that could have been. I think it was. I think the UPI was the UPI still awarding the championship before the bowl game. I forget. Does it say who awarded Texas a national championship that year? In 1968 or 70, 77? 77. Well, do 68 and 77 because these are the ones you can actually – people were alive when this stuff happened. 77, I guess you could claim it if somebody – if one of the selectors made their pick. I mean, if Bama can do it, why can't anybody do it, right? It's Notre Dame beat Texas in the Cotton Bowl. Right. And you're looking for the number one ranked team for the well, who UPI? The, what selector it was that made Texas – the uh, the national champion like was it Richard Billingsley or uh, Collie Matrix or football writers or whoever? Well, it wasn't the AP poll because the final AP poll has Texas at number one, so it must have been the UPR. I mean, all right. So okay, you also got fifty, sixty eight, seventy seven, eighty one, uh, eighty one. Texas went to the Cotton Bowl, beat Alabama as the Southwest Conference representative. SMU technically won the conference that year, but they couldn't go to a bowl game because they were on probation. Shocker. I know SMU on probation in the 80s. Uh, 81 and then 2008. I guess one of the, again, like Sagarin or somebody like that had given Texas a piece of the national championship or whoever. Well, in 77, the final the final poll after the Cotton Bowl does have Notre Dame number one. Texas, Texas finished fifth, four. right? Four. four. Okay. I knew it was top five somewhere. All right, so that's just a little history. Hey, Cam, you know what? Let's go ahead and do something we haven't done. Let's hit that Longhorn Notebook sounder. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Cam, we got uh, Steve Sarkeesian of five players going to be at Big 12 Media Day yes, sir. on Wednesday. Are you going to try to get around and maybe ask a question or two? Yeah, I think the plan is with uh, Jacob Standard, our uh, social media guru here at the Horn, going to try and, you know, Outside the radio hits that we're going to get some of the guys and the coaches. He uses Guru and Jacob in the same sentence very loosely, by the way. <laughs> Just kidding, Correct. Jacob. We love well, you. But, yeah, we'd love to get maybe some else, some social media stuff for uh, with Quinn Ewers. You guys want to do, like, funny bits? Yeah, we're gonna, we're not going to be serious. We're not going to be asking about Quinn Ewers' footwork, you know, like, hey, Quinn, let's, let's break down some tape for you. you uh, it's going to be pretty light. You should give Quinn a hypothetical. You should give him our hypothetical. Okay. Which one do you think you could still play quarterback with? A peg leg or a hook for a hand? <laughs> what do you think of his non-throwing hand as the hook hand? Ask him, would you, would you rather have a hook for a hand, a nub, or a plastic hand? So we're gonna yes. Do- the hook, hook, stump, or Woody Harrelson kingpin rubber hand. And then John Bianco's like, all right, we're, we're done here. We're, yeah, you're, you're never being allowed to interview any of our players ever again, Cam. John's probably listening to this right now. All right, uh, Cameron Parker right, knocking ass. All right, we're going to knock through them. Okay. We're going to be like, I think, like the tickets banned from asking questions at the Super Bowl. or at the, Really? At the uh, 
It's the, the uh, when they do the press conference for uh, the Super Bowl halftime act. The tickets banned from asking questions <laughs> for doing doing. Bits is there is there a backstory there that you know? Yeah, not that I want to get into it right now. But okay, well yeah. then, I'll, and I forget, I forget some of the you. details. Yeah, I'm sure Craig can tell us. But some point uh, during the week. No, it's good. So anyway, but what? Give me something you want to come out of Big 12 Media Days with. Like you're like, okay, I'll feel better about the season if I hear blank, or I'm going to feel not as good about the season if I hear blank. As long as we don't hear anything about a fire hose being inserted fully into Sark's mouth, I think I'm good with everything there. But one thing I'm genuinely interested in is this is the first time Texas has been picked as a preseason favorite since 2009. And, like, you know, sure, there's always expectations going in being Texas and stuff, but they never really had to deal with the expectations of being the number one team in the conference, right? Especially for, uh, you know, a fairly, you know, young roster. So, um, I'm curious how Sark handles it and how the players handle it, too. You know, well, what's their mentality? You know, you expect it to be coach speak where, you know, yeah, sure, the rankings don't really matter. We're here to win games. But, you know, how do they handle, you know, this this hype now? Because I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure that Texas fans really believe they're the best team in the Big 12. But now we this talk, media yeah, we, poll comes out. We talked like, about this second. last week, yeah. Just kind of the fact that Texas fans, it's, it's, it's very much guarded optimism now. Like, you think they're the best team, and like as a fan, you're like, yeah, they should be, but at the same time, you know, well, we have 13 years of history that shows, nah, we haven't. Gotcha. Um, all right, just want to get to some feedback on the Specs text line. Uh, texter says, Hitler was Time Magazine Man of the Year when the Aggies last won a national title. Ooh, okay. okay. So you got that for you. Um, those natties will be on the AM wall by the start of the season. Thank you for that. Uh, Texas claims 1970 national championship. Yeah, we got smoked by Notre Dame in the Cotton Bowl January 71. Yes, I think that was Texas was the UPI national champion. I think Nebraska was the AP national champion, if I remember right, for the 1970 season. Bizarro Dale Dudley said he was born in 77, so gotta it's, it's got to count. That 77 championship's yep. got to count. Uh, Texas says, what about 83 undefeated loss to Georgia? I, Texas does not have an unclaimed national championship for 1983. So I would think maybe Nebraska would probably – that Nebraska team was said to be, like, one of the greatest college – the greatest college football team ever. And, like, USC 05, they ended up losing their bowl game. So uh, Texas says, AP or UPI didn't count bowl games for national championships back in the day uh i think the ap changed i forget what year it was but the ap did make a change it was maybe late 60s that the ap started to do that they started to award the national championship after the uh after the bowl games uh the upi held for and held out the longest on doing that if i remember right uh this text says on big 12 media days cam i want to hear good news about the running backs we talked about you know i said it before i'll say it again if there's going to be like a, a thousand yard back i know is like we can talk about yardage or whatever but there's gonna be a guy that has a chance let's just call him to be the bell cow for this backfield i think jonathan brooks is gonna have every opportunity to do that if it gets to a point i think and and i want to see how long i want to see if he gets that if he really does get that opportunity and if he does how long does sark allow him the leash or the the space or what have you to try to establish himself before you just start going to C.J. Baxter or Jaden Blue or whoever's up next. I'm excited about the plethora of talent in that running back backfield because it feels like. using big words. That doesn't really matter. Like, you could tell me Brooks will be the starter, Blue will be the starter, Baxter, um, anybody. It's like, okay. You're my boy, Blue. It feels like this is a really, 
really talented running back group. It doesn't have the names like Bijan or Roshan Johnson because a lot of those guys have not proven it yet, really, in the full season. But you mentioned the stat about Sark having a thousand yard rusher every year. I don't even if he doesn't reach his a thousand yards this year, I don't think that's gonna directly correlate with the success of this football team because of the options that Sark has. But also, I mean, he's you know, he had a lot of options at Alabama too. And they yeah. still figured out a way to find a one thousand yard rusher, so yeah, I mean, he's still got other backs involved when he had Najee Harris toting the rock. Cam, random question, because I just did it. You ever looked in your uh, your spam folder, your email? Like, not to open anything, because you don't know what's in there, but just glanced at, like, what the subject line is. Sometimes. Spam folder can be a pretty dark place. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of like uh, the headlines are the same as those weird Twitter porn bots that <laughs> will randomly reply to a tweet from four years ago, and it's like, yeah. I had somebody retweet something the other day. It was like Charlie Strong declaring somebody out for a game. I'm like, man, you, we really went back in the archives <laughs> and looked for that one. Lord. Uh, yeah, this, the seedy underbelly of the dark side of the non-dark web portion of the Internet is your, your spam folder. Don't open anything. I'm saying just if you get a chance while it. you're at work and maybe you want to space out so your boss thinks you're working but you're not actually working, Maybe just peruse your spam folder for a few minutes. Take a look at what's in there. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Inconceivable. We'll close out hour number one on Light the Tower. On the Horn, live, local, and digital. On the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Light the Tower. Inconceivable. 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 You keep using the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. It's inconceivable to me that Cameron couldn't keep up with one simple assignment over the weekend. What, so what did you do this weekend that allowed you to get out of watching First Blood? Hmm. I mean, honestly, I, I probably had the time to watch it. I was just kind of lazy. <laughs> a little, little lazy. At least you're honest. I can appreciate that about you, Cameron, if nothing else. Well, I, don't even, I don't even remember what I did Saturday, to be honest with you. Uh... Found this interesting. I'm always, anytime I see that somebody famous is like an advocate or something in that realm for marijuana, mm-hmm. it always kind of fascinates me for some reason. A forthcoming book about the Kennedy family came is alleging that the late Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis fought to nip in the bud a particular problem mm. in her Cape Cod garden. In the book White House by the Sea, by Kate's story, the former first lady learned that marijuana was growing in her garden, much to her horrors. This is not about marijuana advocacy. Apparently somebody in the Kennedy family was a big fan of the stickiest of the icky and decided, let's grow it in the garden until Jackie O got a look at it. So according to the episode attained by Town & Country, it was around 1975 when Kennedy's assistant noticed some of the family members poking around the garden... Which piqued her interest. After realizing she had stumbled upon something nefarious, she told former police chief Jack Dempsey, who frequented the property with the Secret Service, her assistant, Kathy McKeon, nor Dempsey, neither her assistant nor Dempsey believed the gardeners were responsible, so they told Onassis about their discovery. Are you kidding me? She allegedly said to McKeon, who told her news, told her the news directly. Oh my God, this can't get out. How are we going to fix this? You know what? It's a lot worse things that have happened to famous families than just finding a little bit of weed in the garden. Yeah, especially with the Kennedy family. I think um, 
little bud being smoked <laughs> wasn't the worst thing that happened to the Kennedys. You uh, you ever seen that movie Baby Boy with Tyrese and Snoop Dogg? I've not. King Grams. Cam, what the hell do you watch? Like, what do you watch? Do you watch movies on TV at all when you're at the house? Because Baby Boy, I guarantee you, if you put it on one of like BET or VH1 right now, like Baby Boy will be on TV, and if it's not, it'll be on later. What do you watch? We have we have a month and a half till football. Just give me a list of every movie you like, and I'll just go ahead and just skim through it. Well, there's a scene in there where uh, Tyrese, who plays Jody in the movie, his mom is in her garden in Compton, and she finds a little bit of bud growing alongside the wild parsley, and Ving Rhames, who's her boyfriend, has to finally admit that it's his. Just a nice little scene right there. And this reminded me of that. And I was hoping that you would catch that reference, but no, because you're culturally sheltered. Can't find the time to watch any movies. It's all right, Cam. I know you're a busy man. You got a lot of got a lot of irons in the fire. Hey, as Tom Emily Wolfan points out, they did find cocaine, remember? In the White House. Yeah, they found inconceivable. Co- found cocaine. Friday. Found cocaine in the White House. Screenwriter also points out Cameron Saturday was just two days ago. You need a doc. <laughs> uh, Bizarro Dale Dudley was chiming in. Uh, it's been a long weekend. <laughs> about what I said about the spam folder in your email. I said just like a can of spam, it can be amazing if you open it, or it can be absolutely horrible. Sometimes you just got to take a chance. And uh, Bizarro Dale Dudley also stuck the knife in and twisted a can. Said, "We know he's not sitting around eating donuts." Yeah. Damn. My uh, my five year old is in the studio right now watching the Little Mermaid on her tablet. She had some donut holes on the way in. Ooh, Shipley's. Yep. Not uh, not didn't stop and see Steve and the crew on the Brody Brody location. Stopped in Kyle. Okay. It was right on the way in. Got me a kolache. Love those things. I think I'm taking breaks from donuts for a while after the incident. <laughs> the Wednesday or Thursday last week. Yeah, we did that Thursday. Yes, yes. Um, this story is uh, in honor of Craig. We're not getting two wheels off for inconceivable today. I know Craig would would really dig this story. How about uh, it's a story cam of an overdue library book, Ooh. Dateline, Boston, Massachusetts, on February fourteenth, nineteen o four. Someone curious about the emerging possibilities of a key force of nature checked out. James Clerk Maxwell's An Elementary Treatise on Electricity (laughs) from the New Bedford Free Public Library. It would take 119 years and the sharp eyes of a librarian in West Virginia before the scientific text finally found its way back to the library. Thank God. The discovery occurred when Stuart Pline, the curator of rare books at West Virginia University Libraries, was sorting through a recent donation of books. Hey, something good happening at West Virginia. And the breaking news here is on the West Virginia <laughs> campus, there is a library. So congratulations, Mountaineers. We know you have a library on your campus somewhere. Pline found the treatise and noticed that part uh, that it had been part of the collection at the New Bedford Library and critically had not been stamped, withdrawn, indicating that while extremely overdue, the book had not been discarded. Pline contacted Jody Goodman, the special collections librarian in New Bedford, to alert her of, to the find, quote, This came back in extremely good condition, New Bedford Public Library Director Olivia Mello said Friday. Someone obviously kept this on an ice bookshelf because it was in such good shape and probably got passed down in the family. So, 119 years, 
think that fine racked up to be. What was the book called again? Uh, the title of the book, An Elementary Treatise on Electricity. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder how many people were on the wait list for that one. In sure, Boston. a lot. Yeah. A lot. Right up there with, I don't know, what else could have been at, at the time. Uh, who knows? Who you know, knows? kids now will have no idea about overdue library books. And what, bet- what that was like, especially in school, <laughs> when it was like a day over and then that was it. <laughs> You, you knew you knew who had messed around when it's time for graduation, and you, you had those that certain group of kids in your class, that your graduating class, that they were getting called to the library. Like, yeah. hey, you've had this book out since your sophomore. If you want your diploma, <laughs> <laughs> you need to find this copy of Island of the Blue Dolphin and bring yeah, it back. Yeah, we're not finding that copy. Yeah, it's not coming back. I did check out a book at Texas State, and I never returned it. You know why I never returned it? Legitimately, this is not an excuse. My dog literally ate, like, the book in half. Molly, <laughs> Molly the dog, who we had to put down earlier when she was a puppy, she ate half of the book. So there was nothing to turn in. But I was able to graduate. Got my diploma. I had it on the wall. My dad threw away my math textbook. Like, like middle school, when he had to pay money for the textbooks, right? It's like a <laughs> could have taken that to half price textbook. He could have taken, taken that to half-price books and gotten about six bucks. Is that not Jeez. the is, textbooks in college? Is that not the biggest ripoff? Like, all yeah. right, I paid three hundred dollars for this book. How much am I getting back? It's Especially like be- if you buy it from the school. It's like being on Pawn Stars. Best I can do is thirty bucks. I paid three hundred for it. Yeah, it's, I mean, we're taking all the risk here. We got to store it. We got to send it back to the publisher. What a ripoff! It's like you get, when you get your your book list for. Remember, I got it at UT. Went to the co op, and it was like eighty bucks for this book, ninety for this one. One of the Facebook marketplace for UT. Buy and sell, and found all of them for like ten bucks each. There, or Amazon. There are not many things in life, Cameron, that make me happier. And I know various industries have tough times, but the fact that the textbook racket is just about over because most of your college textbooks now are just PDFs, just online. Yeah, yeah. you don't need to. The textbook racket is just about over. All right, that's going to do it for hour number one. Hour number two coming up next here on Light the Tower on the Horn, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.